All right, I want you guys to check out this little guy, little minnow. Doesn't he have fun eyes? It's a South African minnow. Uh, this fish is called the four-eyed fish uh, because it's known best of really being able to take in two worlds at one time. The creator has designed this fish with these large bulging lenses on the lower uh, behalf and it cruises around on the surface of the water uh, and it's able to see what's above the world and what's below at the same time. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyways, it reminds me of how we ought to be as believers. We got to have that heavenly mindset, okay? And we need to know and have a grasp on what's going on around us, correct? So maybe we should be like this little fish once in a while, right? <laughs> so as we go through life, we need not look above to <clears throat> or we need to look above to heaven, but also below to the world around us. So the heavenward look enables us to focus on the earthward look that helps us see opportunities, okay, of what God may be setting before us. Because as we look to God, we are able to see what is true. As we look to God, what is right. And then we take that and we look to the world around us and the opportunities really to demonstrate Christ-like compassion to people who are entangled in sin. And that's mercy, right? And this morning, we are finding ourselves in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, and we're going to look at the reality of being blessed or happier those who are merciful. Why? Because we're actually going to receive mercy. We do receive mercy from God. And it's really a reference here to Psalm 18.25, with the merciful you will show yourself merciful. Okay, that's a promise that God's given us. Not that our merciful, our mercifulness comes absolutely first. It's actually on the contrary, if you think about this with me for a second, because the Lord himself expressly teaches you and I that God's methods is to awaken in us compassion towards our fellow man, by his own exercise of it. So God rewards those who imitate his godness or goodness, okay, his likeness in showing mercy to others. Um, aren't you guys glad for the mercy of God? Amen. I sure am. I love what Spurgeon said. He said, followers of Jesus must be men of mercy. They must be men of mercy for they have found mercy and mercy has found them. And I have to agree with that. How can we not be merciful if God has been merciful to us? Um, these famous lines from The Merchant of Venice by William Shakespeare, um, they're really true in every way. Uh, yeah, we're going to go to a little theology from William Shakespeare. But catch what he actually says. I don't know if any of us would disagree with it. But he says this, Mercy always comes down. It starts with God and moves to man. It begins in heaven and it ends on earth. You don't bargain for mercy because to make a bargain, you have to have something to offer and we have nothing to offer God. What a theologian. <laughs> just kidding, it's just Shakespeare. But he hit it on the head, guys. Okay? And that's absolutely it. What do we have? All we can do is cry out for mercy, God. 
please, we've sinned against you. We've rebelled. We're disobedient. Please have mercy, right? Even a Reagan muffin knows he's only a beggar at the door of God's mercy. So if you guys would look with me inside your handouts here today. We're going to look at mercy defined first. And it's really similar to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Haven't we learned to pray that? Okay. And really that's speaking to mercy. You see, mercy is connected with those who may be easily ignored. We can think of those who are maybe crippled, disabled, the sick, the deformed, um, the aged. Also, merciful embraces the characteristics of being generous, right? Forgiving others, having compassion for the suffering, and providing really healing of every kind. I think we as Christians, it's very easy to know what we ought to do, but it's a whole other thing to go and to do it. With the food pantry this last week, I was been praying because we've been doing it for a while. And it's one of those things, relationship is so important. It's great there may be people who are hurting, broken, poor, in need. But what do they really need? Just food? Just a physical need being met? No, they need Jesus. They need love. They need compassion. They need relationship. And it's one of those things that we need to do, is put ourselves out there, not just, hey, I'm going to help for a minute, see you later. <laughs> you know, Glad I could do that. No, God cares about people. And we as Christians, I believe, should be the most compassionate, the most caring, that we're asking, hey, what's your story? What you going through? Where are you at? And that happens through relationship, guys. So let's get back to the merciful part here. The blessing lies not in the doing of a merciful act but in being merciful in disposition. You see, it's better to give others a piece of your heart than a piece of your mind. Okay? That's what they need. I blew it this week. I had a JW at the door. Okay? I blew it because I gave him a piece of my mind. You know, I tore him apart and showed him why he was wrong. And I, I felt totally defeated after the conversation after he left. I'm just like, man, my heart was not right towards this man. What a bummer. He needed mercy. He needed love. And here I am preparing this message. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> you know. Anyways, praise God for his mercy. <laughs> um, justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Does that make sense? And then look, grace is getting what you don't deserve. So really look at that. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Okay? A lot of people think they have these rights. Well, I deserve this. You know? Why is God allowing this to happen to me? You know? I don't deserve this. I deserve better. I deserve that. We deserve hell. <laughs> Bottom line. That's the truth. Mercy and grace are actually forms of non-justice, but they are not acts of injustice. See, mercy is always voluntary, correct? It's always a voluntary thing. It's, if, if, if it's obligated, then it's justice. Okay, We're going to have to dive in a little bit here to grasp this truth. Okay, if it's something we have to do, if it's an obligation as a, you know, a Christian, 
okay? We, we, we see the reality of it. That's justice. This is truth, okay? But when we extend mercy, that is an involuntary thing. Um, so that would not be mercy then, okay, if it's obligated. So mercy is an outward manifestation really of pity. So now let's look at mercy then lived out. Mercy is one of those special bridges that God has built so he can relate to you and me. Okay, without mercy, there is no relationship with God. None whatsoever. And aren't you guys glad that he extends mercy? If there was no mercy this morning, he's not obligated to show up to reveal himself. I, I look at his, his word. What a gift. This is mercy. <laughs> <laughs> that he would do this for us, that he would take the time through the years to send these prophets, to have these things recorded, that we would know what a gift. That's mercy. So we also see mercy as a bridge for you and I that must build if we are going to relate lovingly to others. There has to be mercy. Otherwise, how many relationships are broken because we don't extend mercy towards someone? You did me wrong. I'm done with you. Okay? There has to be mercy. And I think you guys would probably say, yeah, that's totally true. Can you guys think of one relationship in your life where you haven't extended some mercy? Yeah, you have. Because if you hadn't, you probably wouldn't have that relationship today. It's just the way it has to be. Um, so mercy was first shown... If you think about it, Lot, back in Genesis, you guys remember, he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, picked the best of the land. See you later, Uncle Abe. I'm going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, but judgment was coming upon them, him and his wife and his daughters. The angels there, they led him out by hand out of the city before that judgment, the destruction, had come. We're told in Genesis 19.16 that while he lingered there in Sodom and Gomorrah, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, in the hands of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful to him that they brought him out and set him outside of the city. It was God's mercy. That's all that was, guys. Okay? Do we really see Lot is a righteous dude? We don't. God did. There was a faith there. But man, you know, give him my daughters? Really? Like, if you guys know this story, guy was messed up. He was okay being in Sodom and Gomorrah among all of the filth, the evil, uh, just all of it of that day. Anyways, it, the Lord being merciful. I have that underlined in my Bible. That's the key there. So we also see it with Abraham to Lot. He could have let Lot get into uh, to, uh, his, his just due, or left him there uh, in Sodom when the kings came to attack. We see also later, we see Joseph come up in Genesis. Remember with his brothers? Okay, didn't show him any mercy. <laughs> now he's in authority. His brothers come. Okay, he was he had mighty power there in Egypt. His brothers come down to Egypt, and he extends mercy, even though he didn't receive any mercy from his brothers. And then I love the the this, the the life of David. Uh, he was to be anointed. He was anointed king. He should have been king, but Saul was still there, and he had the power to kill Saul actually twice in scripture, but he showed his real power by what? Showing mercy. Okay? That's how we show power. 
It's by showing mercy. So what about you? Okay? <laughs> You're right, and they're wrong. Well, what are you going to do? Show your power to retaliate, or show your power to show mercy? That's our choice. Let me tell you what, if we're not walking with Jesus, we're not going to be showing mercy. Why? Because he's showing us mercy. How can we not show mercy if he's being merciful to us? And sometimes we want to, you know, stand in our rights, get our way, and we start pushing God away (laughs) to make that right. You see, Saul regained in, uh, you know, his whole reign, if you think about it, was, it was just malice. It was chaos. It was hatred towards David. Uh, David reigned in love and mercy. You know, you look at the different ways that they were kings. Radical different displays. Um, and one of the things, matter of fact, you guys remember when Saul was killed, David sang a song of lamentation without mention of Saul's hatred at all. In 2 Samuel verse, uh, verses, or chapter 1, verses 17 to 27, we're not going to read the whole thing, but he says in there, Your glory, O Israel, lies slain on your heights. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. You know? Really? That's not the song I would have been singing about Saul. You know? But that's, that's mercy. That's love. Um, you guys can turn to John 8 if you want to. Um, we're not going to read it, but I, I think most of us are very familiar with the woman who was caught in adultery. Don't you guys think that's one of the neatest stories of mercy being played out from God? Oh, absolutely. Um, so this woman caught in adultery, okay, first taught um, not how to deal with it, okay? Um, if you think about it, hey, find the sinner, expose the sinner, and use the sinner to accomplish your selfish acts. That's what these guys were trying to do. They are trying to catch Jesus to get him stuck, you know? Instead of showing mercy, man, they were going out of their way <laughs> uh, to not do that for their own purposes. And Jesus really in one false swoop annihilated this egotistical you know, approach of these religious leaders in verse 7. He who is without sin among you, let him throw the first. Let him be the first one to throw this. I love that story, don't you guys? And stuff. Like he is, he's God, you know, and right here he is teaching something very important about his attributes, about truth, and about where these guys really are wrong. So how did he deal with it? Well, in verse 11, he didn't deny the fact that she sinned. Okay? And that's one thing that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't shy away and just ignore. There is sin. We have to recognize it, call it what it is, deal with it. But you guys also need to see how mercy works in that. Okay? So he didn't deny the fact that she sinned. He knew that she was a sinner. She knew, um, or she knew she was also, right? But mercy and truth, they met together that morning. Okay? They came together, and the result was a forgiven sinner. Okay? You guys can jot down Psalm 85.10. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. I love that psalm. But there is something about mercy and truth coming together, guys, that is so important. And I want you guys just to evaluate yourself right now. Because in life, we go through battles. 
We go through a lot of relational conflict. Are you right now walking in truth and mercy? Have they met together? Okay. They need to be together. Because if we're just doing mercy, that's not going to be good. Okay. There needs to be the truth addressed in it too and taken care of. But truth without mercy, nothing's going to get accomplished either. Okay. God's, God's design is they work together. Now, I want you to think of the cost Jesus, it really was to Jesus, to say the words in verse 11, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Think of the suffering that he would endure on the cross to make this cleansing possible. It cost him something. Do you guys understand that? For him to let this woman go, (laughs) okay? It cost him everything. It cost him his life. There can be no mercy without suffering. Okay? If there's anything you guys catch this morning, this is the one point I want you to get. Okay? There can be no mercy without suffering, no pardon without pain. It costs something. And again, that's why it is a choice, and it's something for us to do voluntarily. It's something we have to give, but it is at a cost. Now, with that in mind, I want to look at mercy's chain together, and I want you guys to catch these things. First of all, let's consider that pain that is connected to mercy. The mercy chain starts with someone's hurt. It hurts us unjustly, whether it's physically or emotionally, Okay? We must respond to this hurt. We have to. If you don't deal with it, it's just going to end up being a bigger hurt. Okay? It's going to derail you. <laughs> it's not healthy. You got to deal. We have to respond to it. Now, the next link in the chain would be power. So, if we have no power, then you can only give in, right? That's all you can do give in. But if you have the power to retaliate, then you must decide what to do. So you cannot show mercy unless you have the power to hurt. Okay, so the power is another link there. And then another one would have to be truth. Okay, that could be another part, another link in the chain. Suppose a person deserves it. Okay, you guys know who I'm talking about? Those ones that have really hurt us? Really, they deserve it. You feel you must teach them a lesson. You have the power to hurt them back. But should you use it? No. That's the truth. Should you use it? Now, the next one being love. Now, love enters into the picture. You guys see how we're building this chain? Now, love comes along, enters the picture. Not to cancel truth. We don't want to do that. Okay? We can't unhealthy, not good. We don't cancel the truth, but we control it. That's what love does for us. Okay, aren't we speak the truth in what? In love. Do you guys see how those are connected? We have to do that. They work together. And then faith. And this is the big fart for us as Christians, as believers. Because of God's love, right? The faith part comes in and we don't give to the offender what he deserves. You see, this demands faith and we must leave the offender and his offense where? In the hands of God. Okay? He's judged, correct? And it's one of of the most freeing things, brothers and sisters, when we start believing that and we cling to that. 
because it's easy to judge. <laughs> God's called us to love, <laughs> you know? So in this, and then the last part then, growth. That's what's going to happen if we go about mercy correctly. There will be growth. So what's the result of this painful experience? It's going to be growth. And we go through hard things, don't we? Doesn't God use trials to teach us patience and perseverance that we would be growing more into his likeness? Okay? And it's one of those things where it is hard to extend mercy. But let me tell you what, if you go through this and you're grasping these truths, these chain links, and you're seeing God's way, the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Now, this growth comes, we share in the fellowship of his sufferings, right? And when we do that, we become more like him. So the lesson, use your power for growth, not retaliation. So when you show mercy, you are participating in one of God's attributes. I want to be like Jesus. Why? Because that's what he wants. Do you guys understand that? We are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ for what reason? To be like him. We are his kids for what reason? Because we're like him. He's given us his Holy Spirit. We are alive. We are made like him. Okay? So, we're going to dive in a little deeper now. If no mercy, then what? I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 18 together. And we're going to look at the story of the unforgiving servant. I got to teach this to the Rise Youth Group a couple months back. Personally, God spoke to me a lot through this passage and sharing with you guys this morning. He's teaching me a different aspect than what he showed me just a couple months ago. But I'm just going to read through. We'll pick it up in verse 21. Then Peter came and said uh, to Jesus, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother's sin when he sins against me? And I forgive him up to seven times? That's reasonable, right? We say three strikes and you're out. Seven, that's cool, right? But look what Jesus said to him. I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, you just keep forgiving, Peter, right? Therefore, the kingdom, verse 23, of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle his accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, a ton, but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me. I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. Verse 28, but that servant, this guy who had just been forgiven his debt, went out and found one of his fellow servants who had owed him a hundred denarii, very little. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. 
So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and he threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And they came and they told their master all that had been done. And this master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This is pretty serious stuff that Jesus is laying down here. Okay? As his kids, we should be merciful as he is merciful. Do you guys know that that's the scripture too? That's what he asks us to do. So he didn't show mercy, so he found himself in prison because he wouldn't forgive a friend. So this might be the most miserable prison we find ourselves in, and it's the prison of unforgiveness. I know some people are crippled because they aren't willing to forgive. They can't move on with their lives because they will not forgive. They're imprisoned by it. The prison of no mercy, we can call it. Okay? So where our thoughts become shackled, our emotions are chained, and our will is almost paralyzed. When we do show mercy, all the bonds are broken, and we enter into this joyful freedom, right? This liberty that Christ has promised, which is one way to receive mercy and to show mercy. So let's take a look at mercy's promise together. Because you'll will always be in, in having many opportunities to show mercies, um, we never grow out of this privilege. Do you guys understand that? We are always going to have these opportunities to put on Jesus' merciful eyes. Just look around. You know, even in this room, there's opportunities to extend mercy. Mercy is, and you know, is in the abstract means nothing. Okay, it must be incarnate in human flesh. The world cannot see mercy apart from the people who express it and share it. And you know what, guys? We are those people. That's our privilege. This is a gift. We are called to be part of God's work. Okay, to be about his business. And this is one of the ways we get to do it. On uh, Thursday morning, uh, the men, we got through uh, the prophet Micah together. Phenomenal read. And as we're reading through, I'm just like, oh, I'm using that on I'm using that on Wow, this is awesome. But in Micah chapter 7, verse 18 and 19, you can jot that down. Micah 7, 18 and 19. Who is a God like you? parting iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. This is why. It's because our God delights in mercy and he wants us to do the same, right? 
Micah 6.8 tells us, What's required of you, O man, but to do justice, walk humbly with your God, and to love what? Mercy. mercy. We're to love mercy. And do you guys love mercy? I love mercy. I love James 2.13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Isn't that beautiful and wonderful? Do you guys know when the Jews would go to worship God and to make the sacrifices? The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, into God's presence, and in there, there wasn't too much stuff. He'd walk to the Ark of the Covenant, which we all read about and we all know about, and in that Ark, they have the Ten Commandments. Judgment for my people are here in the Ark. But what's set on top of that Ark? The mercy seat. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And that's where the priest would go and sprinkle the blood of the sacrifices would be upon that mercy seat. Because of the blood that Jesus Christ shed, guys, mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay? And we need to know and understand as believers, we are not judged. This is in Scripture. Some think that believers will be judged one day. No, Christ already took that judgment upon himself, guys. Okay, the judgment, the only judgment we get, okay, is the beamus seat of Christ. We're rewarded, okay? Christ has taken our judgment because mercy triumphs over judgment. And this is why we're commanded what's required of you, O man, love mercy. Amen? Amen. So should we always show mercy? I'm so glad you guys asked because this teaching, we could just leave it right here and just this is it. But we need to keep asking these questions. And this is a legitimate question for you and I. Do we always need to show mercy? Well, God's will is that sometimes we repay people with what they deserve, whether punishment or reward. That would be called justice, correct? And don't we like that God is just? Absolutely. And God's will is that sometimes we repay people with better than what they deserve. That would be mercy, right? Right. So in upholding the claims of justice, we bear witness to the truth that God is a God of justice. And in showing mercy, we bear the truth that God is a God of mercy. A biblical parent will usually follow the wisdom of sparing uh, uh, the rod because it'll spoil the child, right? Proverbs 13, 24, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. But there will be times when a child's fault will be forgiven with punish, or without any type of punishment to teach the meaning of really mercy and hopefully woo them to Christ. And the same thing is with a biblical judge will usually be scrupulously just by impartiality, sensing criminals accordingly to their grievance of their crimes. Romans 13.4. But there will be times when you'll have a judge dispense you know, clemency for you know, some greater good. You know, I've sat in a lot of courtrooms and I've seen, oh, I'm sorry, we can pray, but I know you're going to prison. This is what you did. And the judge ruled in a different way. He showed mercy. He showed compassion. He showed grace. Um, so how do we know when to show one or the other? I guess that's really the question. How do we know when to stand in justice and truth? This is deserving. This is what is right. Or to be merciful. 
Well, I would <laughs> answer that by getting close to Jesus. Get as close as possible to Jesus. That's how you're going to know. Because when you're close to him, you're going to get what he's up to, his heart for that. So I know of no hard or fast rules in Scripture to, really to, you know, that dictates to us for each situation. Um, and I don't think that's an accident, to be honest. I think God has left that kind of open because he wants us in that place of seeking him, being close to him, praying on those things. Okay? Because again, when we pray, what changes? Our hearts, right? Okay, God, <laughs> starting to get your heart. We're talking together. I'm getting what you're saying. <laughs> so it's really important that we do that. So the aim of Scripture is to reduce a certain kind of person, not provide an exhaustive list of rules for every situation. So the Beatitudes say, blessed are the merciful. It does not say, blessed are those who know exactly when and how to show mercy in all different circumstances. Okay? No one has that translation here, right? Oh, good, good. Um, so <laughs> we must be merciful people even when we act with the severity of uh, you know, service of justice. So should a merciful person always show mercy? Um, it's a qualified no. You know? Um, no, you will often support claims of justice. And I think that is right for us as believers, as Christians. Okay? Uh, and recompense a person the way he deserves in order to bear witness to the truth of God's justice and to accomplish the greater good for the greater number of peoples. But it is also qualified no, because if you are a merciful person, then even the way you spank a child or prosecute a criminal or dismiss an employee will be different. They will show mercy in it. So the parent may cry. The attorney may go and visit the criminal's family. Or the employer may pay uh, for remedial training or whatever. But the whole point, guys, is the heart of mercy will show. That's what God is asking of us. And unless we are receiving mercy personally and loving mercy, because if you're truly receiving it, you will be able to love mercy. Then you will be able to show mercy and God will be exalted and glorified and seen in this world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you guys stand and pray with me, please? Real quick before we pray. Um, I saw Deanna sipping on our Starbucks this morning. I, I like Starbucks. Um, do you guys remember a few years ago, uh, they had the red cup come out, and I saw all these Christian posts come out, just how could Starbucks be doing this? You know, they're denying God and Christmas and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I, I, I got frustrated with my brothers and sisters in Christ because my whole time during that thing, I'm just thinking... Why is it Starbucks' job to share Jesus Christ? Shame on us. It's our job 
to share Jesus with the world. Maybe we should show a little bit of mercy. And I just want to encourage you guys. It's easy for us because there are things that are right and wrong. And it does hurt us when we see the world rejecting Christ. I, I, I get that. But that's where we get to show mercy to the world. And it's our job, guys, to shine for Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, enough about Starbucks. Let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are thankful, God, that you have been so merciful to us. Uh, we know from your word what we deserve. God, we have been at war with you. Father, we have resisted, rejected you. Lord, we've turned against you. Um, and yet you chose to forgive. You chose to go through great pain to extend mercy to your creation, to mankind. And we are a thankful people for that, God. We want others, Lord, to know your grace and your mercy to know you father to have true hope to truly be loved to have peace god and we pray and ask lord that you'd help us just to shine for you lord to do what's right i know we got flesh <laughs> we have struggles lord there's so many times we want to be right and stand in our rights lord teach us in those moments Father, in your kindness, would your Holy Spirit just stir us up, God, that we would be quick to obey, quick to humble ourselves, Father, that we'd be so close to you that we would know how to deal with situations, whether it's a husband or a wife or a child, Lord, co-workers, extended family, whoever, maybe it's a neighbor, Lord, you've given us opportunities to shine for you, God. We don't want to be those that ignore <laughs> We want to be those, Father, that see things for what they are and then are looking to you to see what you would be asking of us to do within those things. So please, give us wisdom. Help us stay close to you, Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Cool. So, Beatitude for this morning. Revelation chapter 1. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and is to come, and from the seven spirits who stand before the throne of God and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.